Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike. Well, I was supposed to do a show right now with uh, uh, Earth Punk. Eh, stood me up again. I've got better things to do. Hopefully, he's, he does. Anyways, it really, I don't feel all that hot, so it's not. I could care. Honestly, I could care less. Although, I hope he's okay. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been something that they've been doing quite a bit lately because, you know, I don't have the high numbers and I'm not ever going to have the high numbers. Never. I'm never going to do the flashy, fancy videos, the, the eye candy to entertain you. I'm not going to, um, make too big of a deal with things. So, and I'm learning my lesson when it comes to the Bigfoot world. <laughs> That uh, I need to be careful about the people that I say, hey, you really ought to support this person. Um, yeah. And I realize that most people aren't going to be interested at all in what I'm doing. None. Not whatsoever. So, but those that are, there's now 74 of you who have subscribed. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. At least there's somebody listening out there. Thank you for listening so far. That I downloaded four hours ago, uh, Tabstock, and the reading, and I'm sure it was brutal and difficult to, to listen to. But, um, well, you know, I'm... Uh, I have a lot of excuses, I think, to justify how rough I am. Um, and I'm going to keep this this series going. Another series I don't I don't think most people are going to be too interested in. And I could uh, retitle it uh, "Missing 300 Years," but maybe only those inquisitive enough should hear this truth, anyways. Uh, and by the way, for those that are out there that I've listened to somebody today uh, who's an expert on nature and all this stuff, at least let me rephrase that. Let's put it. I just can't. You know what? Listen, don't don't go be going around saying dinosaurs are real until you can prove it yourself that they're real. All right. And going to a museum doesn't make it real. I'm going to tell you something. It's a very disappointing thing to realize. But there is spiritual warfare going on. And part of the spirit of mankind right now is we are in the A.D., age of deceit. And nothing you can take for granted as being the absolute truth. Now, the only thing that one should get out of this reading is was this clear contradiction throughout the Middle East, North Africa, and particularly um, the Byzantine region and, uh, and Western Europe is the fact that they tacked on 300 years, and why did they do that? And it is so, you know, this was allegedly, if this is the case, and it's based on archaeological evidence that people aren't have, don't have any particular dog in the fight, 
then that makes things bare, bare minimum, uh, 1717. Then puts new meaning to the year 1776 and what that really means. I don't know. I throw that out there for the 1776 part because surely those in the know, somebody. But then again, that's not necessarily true. But somebody should know. And the higher you go up the corporate ladder of success, possession, possessions, demon possessions, um, that uh, the more useful a tool you are to whatever entities are out there that want to use you for their ultimate gain. And uh, the same old blood rituals seem to be perpetuating over and over again under the same old the guises same old guises and stories and fables of it's this or it's that. One of the other things is very interesting is in the Book was brought brought up the. Um, I don't know if I want the fan on. Nine eleven, and that the research uh, a certain certain individual that Emma Scott uses uh, brings up nine eleven long prior to nine eleven. So. If you want to get caught up in the Hegelian dialectic of the Earth being flat around, that's fine by me, I guess. Just don't point a gun at me. Don't kill people I care about over beliefs. Now, the person I'm talking about is Illig. Illig. And uh, we're going to learn more about this. The origin of the Anno Domini calendar. Reading out of Emmett Scott's book, A Guide to the Phantom Dark Age. The first reaction to Illig's thesis, especially on the part of those who have some knowledge of history, is to raise a series of objections. Many of them are of apparently insurmountable. How could such a uh, falsification of history have occurred? Doesn't our calendar run continuously without interruption from the first Christianization of the Roman Empire through to our own time? How could anyone then simply have added an extra three centuries to this. And why, in any case, would they have undertaken such a thing? What could have been the motive for such a distortion? Then there is the question 
of the Islamic world. Doesn't their age of Hydra, uh, gosh, I hope it's pronounced this right, Hij, Hydra, it's H-I-J-R-A, Hydra, A-H calendar, match our previous, our previously, with major events and characters corresponding in terms of their place in European history. They begin their calendar with the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Surely they would not have cooperated with the Christians in a deliberate extension of their history by three centuries. All these are valid objections and need to be answered in a credible manner. The first of them concerning the origins of Anno Domini calendar is the most straightforward. It is most universally assumed that following the conversion of the Roman Empire to Christianity in the years after Constantine, the peoples of the West immediately adopted the Anno Domini system. This, however, was not the case. When Constantine came to power the Romans employed a dizzyingly varying of calendars, some dating to the time of Alexander, and some to the time of Julius Caesar, and others to the time of Augustus. Mostly, dates were numbered according to the regional years of the reigning emperor. In addition, a system named Abd Herb Co Condita Yeah, Condita. So Ab Herb Condita was employed, which purported to date the years according to the number that had ellipsed since foundation of the city of Romulus. In reality, Ab Herb or Herbe Cadinta was only devised in the first century AD, mainly due to the efforts of the Roman chronicler Pharaoh, B-A-R-R-O. With the conversion of the empire to Christianity, in the time of Constantine's successors, these calendars and dating systems did not immediately disappear and, in fact, continued to be used in various places well into the 5th century. With the formula abolition of the Western Empire in 476, the centralized Roman bureaucracy with its records and record-keeping, disappeared. In its place, there arose much smaller localized bureaucracies working for various Gothic, Vandal, and Frankish kings under whom they labored. These new kingdoms were all, in the theory at least, 
Christian, and they still regarded themselves ultimately as subjects of Rome, though now Rome lay in Constantinople. The new kingdoms each adopted their own calendars and dating systems. These were generally, it is true, based upon the Bible, but they were not based on counting the years since the birth of Christ, Anno Domine. They were based instead upon counting the years since the creation of the world as outlined in the Old Testament. Christians of that period were not particularly interested in how long it had been since Christ's birth. What they were interested in what they were intensely interested in was the question of how long it would be until Christ returned. And the earliest Christians had believed that return to be imminent, owing to the fact that Christ had, in describing the times which would see the return of the Son of Man, said that, quote, this generation, and quote, presumably, his generation, would not pass until they, these times arrived. By the 4th and 5th centuries, Christians no longer saw the second coming as imminent, but remained very interested in the question of when it would occur. As they felt they must have missed it, like they do today. <clears throat> or that there's an impossibility that they missed it, as they still are. The preparation for this great event, believers were not cemented like the pagan Romans, but entombed in a vast and growing labyrinth of catacombs under the streets of Rome and other cities of the empire. The bodily resurrection was something expected, anticipated, and it was this expectation that re that turned the attention of the Christians to the Old Testament. In the book of Revelation, John had said that after his return, Christ would rule the earth for a thousand years, the millennium, and that after that time, the world would come to an end. Christ theorized, I mean, Christians theorized endlessly on when this millennium would begin, connected as it was to the second coming of Christ. A clue appeared to be contained in the account of creation in the book of Genesis. Here it's stated that God made the world in six days, and that on the seventh he had rested. In one of Peter's epistles, however, in Second Peter 3, 8, we find the statement that, quote, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And to quote, Christians began to speculate that the six days of creation might represents 6,000 years of ordinary or profane history, 
<clears throat> oh, that word profane. And that the seventh day, the holy day, the day on which God rested, might represent the millennium. The thousand years during which Christ would reign triumphantly over the world. Given puts it thus, quote, the ancient and popular doctrine of the millennium was immediately connected with the second coming of Christ as the works of the creation had been finished in six days. Their duration in the, in the present state according to the tradition which was attributed to the prophet Elijah was fixed to 6,000 years. By the same analogy, it was inferred that this long period of labor and contention, which was not almost elapsed, would be succeeded by a joyful Sabbath of a thousand years, and that Christ would reign upon the earth till the time appointed for the last and great resurrection. End quote. Decline and fall. Chapter 15. And thus, it could be determined exactly how many years had passed since creation. It might be possible to predict when Christ's return might be expected. There it rose then, in some quarters, intense, an intense interest in the Old Testament and the book of Genesis. Educated and sophisticated Romans, and of course, trained in the thinking of Plato and Aristotle, could not look upon the book of Genesis as anything other than myth or, at best, allegory. Yet, even at its height, the Roman Empire was not a literate society in the modern sense, and the great majority of Christian believers retained a simple and simplistic notion, as they do today, amazingly, of the sacred scriptures and their interpretation. This would have been true also of the Germanic kings who now control the territory of the Western Empire. And even philosophers, and there remained plenty during the 5th and 6th centuries, could view the dates and figures provided in Genesis as if not real history, at least provincially significant. The belief in science and reason does not automatically exclude the possibility of the supernatural. Using the book of Genesis, then, and counting the generations of the king and the patriarchs back to the time of Adam and Eve, it was possible to date the age of the world. Yet, even such a simplistic and fundamentalist exegesis posed great problems because the book of Genesis was by no means clear as to when one generation ended and another began. The earlier patriarchs are said to have lived many centuries, and they had children throughout their lives. Using Genesis, then, as a guide to the age of the world was thus a very unspecific, quote, science, end of quote, and it still is, by the way. And it was possible to arrive to many alternative dates. Furthermore, 
quite uh, different figures were supplied in different uh, versions of the scriptures. Thus, for example, the Septuagint, the version of the Old Testament published by the scholars of Alexandria in the 3rd century B.C. generally provided higher figures for the lives of the patriarchs than the offspring of the latter versions, such as the Fulgate. Jewish scholars around the time of Christ utilized manuscripts in accordance to, or in accordance with the Septuagint, Septuagint, Septuagint translation, generally believed the world to be roughly between 5,000 and 5,300 years old. At a much later time in history, Archbishop Usher, Usher with two S's, of Arna, or Arnef, so Archbishop Usher of Arnef, famously using the Latin Vulcate Bible, dated the creation to 4,004 B.C. That's 4004 B.C. Scholars of earlier Christian period, however, used the Septuagint. They were anxious to, quote, speed up and to quote the date of the approach of the 6,000 and thus for Christ's return, and they tended to favor latter dates. That's one of the schools led by Bishop Eusebius in St. Hieronymus placed the birth of Christ just two years short of 5,200, whilst other schools led by St. Hilepolitus, so Hippolytus, Hippolytus, excuse me, uh, placed it in the year 5,500. And other schools of thought favored 5,300 all agreed at least that the year 6,000 would seem the second would see the second coming of Christ and the beginning of the thousand years of Christ's earthly reign. Thus, Christians in the fifth and sixth centuries were not particularly interested in ta- in the time which had elapsed since the birth of Christ, but in the time that had elapsed since the creation of the world, and when the Bible-based chronology was adopted. It was this age of the creation and the age of the world that was used, nor would this system be abandoned until the 11th and 12th centuries. Only then did Christian Europe begin to count the years as Anno Domini. The adoption of Anno Domini as the calendar reckoning point has been traced to in great detail by Her- Herbert Illig, who has proved beyond a reasonable doubt that it was under the Holy Roman Empire or Emperor Otto III that the system was devised. Illig has pointed to the well-known religious uh, uh, fanaticism of Otto III and has suggested that he 
may have wished to present himself as Christ's temporal representative at the time of his second coming. One of the New Testament prophecies about this event predicted it would occur when the Gospels had been uh, preached to all the nations. By the year 1000, i.e. 700, this seemed to be coming to pass as the Hungarians and the Scandinavians and the Russians all accepted the faith of Christ. F. Otto III's fanaticism produced the precise historical distortion we now have. There was another reason for the distortion, one that had much more to do with with simple power politics. Why destroy history? The next question. It's getting hot in here. Man, I stiff. Man, I feel like I've been hit by a mad truck. I was feeling okay today, but uh, this evening I'm coming downhill again. This is going to be this way. At least five days, so. By the middle of the 7th century, the whole of Mediterranean had changed beyond recognition. The Byzantium was crushed and closed to, and close to collapse. Ever since the abolition of the Western Empire in 476, the Germanic kings had uh, kings of the Ossetid. Who am I saying here? The German Germanic kings of the Occident uh, or Occident. Like occasion, occasion, Occident, who went, who now occupied the territories of the West and continued to give their allegiance to the emperor in Constantinople. The gold coins they struck bore the image of the emperor, and they accepted Roman titles bowed upon, bestowed upon them by Constantinople. And when the office of the emperor of the West was abolished in 476, Odo Acer sent the insignia of the office to Constantinople. Henry uh, Pereni, who spent most of his professional career studying the period of history, was struck by the Byzantium's all-pervasive influence in the so-called barbarians. Western Germanic rulers must have had some degree of independence but there were limits to what they could do. None dare offend Constantinople by reviving the office of the Western Emperor. Although the Byzantines lacked the military resources necessary to establish real control of the Western provinces, Justinian's attempt was only partly successful. Their vast wealth gave them effective control. 
whilst they could not send their own armies to punish uh, uh, recalcitrant priests, recalcitrant princes, they could hire whatever military assistance they needed for from the other quote barbarian and quote chiefs. So complete was Constantinople's control that only once before the seventh century did a Germanic monarch issue coinage with his own image, rather than that of the emperor. This was in the time of the Frankish king uh, Theodebert, Theodebert, the first who found himself at war with Justinian in Italy in 546 through 548. This singular display of independence on the parts of a, quote, barbarian, and a, quote, monarch was noted Perini bewailed by uh, Procopius, who viewed it as a deplorable sign of decadence and decline. The next time a your, your Germanic king showed such independence was in 620s uh, during the reign of Clother or or Clotter the second. Clother or Clotter the second was a contemporary of the emperor Heraclius, Heraclius, in whose name, whose times, excuse me, Perini noted, Byzantium first came into conflict with the Arabs. From the time of Clother II onwards, no Western monarch would ever again mint coins bearing the image of the Byzantine emperor. The significance of this fact was stressed at length by Perini. Evidently, the impact of the Persian and Arab assaults on the Eastern Empire during the first half of the 7th century was so great that the provinces of the West were able to detach themselves both politically and culturally. We know that within a few decades between 620s, the 620s and the 640s, the empire lost much of Anatolia, all of Syria, and Egypt, by far the richest and most populous of her provinces. Constantinople herself was besieged by the Arabs fleets between 674 and 678, and again in 718. When the empire now weakened, apparently beyond repair, the Germanic kings of the West, said Perini, began to assert their independence. This was signaled by the minting of coins bearing their own images, and it was to the end in the formal reestablishment of the Western Empire under a Germanic king, Charles the Great, Charlemagne, king of the Franks. Thus, for Perini, the detachment of the West from the East 
politically, culturally, and religiously was a direct consequence of the arrival on the world stage of Islam. Quote, without Muhammad, end quote, said Perini, quote, Charlemagne is inconceivable, end quote. So far, so good. There was, however, for Perini, one overriding problem. Why did the Germanic rulers of the West wait a century and a half after the complete rout of Byzantium, Byzantium before reestablishing the Western Empire? Lothar II, we remember, even before the death of Heraclius, had already shown the way, apparently, around six, the 620s by issuing coins and blazed with his own image. Why wait another 180 years before taking the process to its logical conclusion and reestablishing the Western Empire? From the point of view of Illig's thesis, the reestablishment of the Western Empire does not represent a problem, but actually makes perfect sense and in fact provides us with a real motive for the distortion of history um, uh, perpetrated by the Ottonians, that's O-T-T-O-N-I-A-N-S. If we remember, the 10th century is actually the 7th century, then we see that Otto I, who was commonly credited with another uh, revival of the Western Empire in 962, after it had lapsed again following the death of Charlemagne, must actually have reigned in the 7th century, and his rival of the Western Empire would have, or excuse me, not rival, revival of the Western Empire would have occurred in 662 or in Illig's chronology, 665. Illig argues that 297 years were added, but as we shall see, there are very good grounds for believing the figure to be precisely 300 years. The Club of 300. This is the course. This, of course, is just a few decades after the death of Clother II and would mean that Otto I acted very quickly indeed following the Byzantinian's collapse in the face of the Arab threat. Under Illig's scheme, then the reestablishment of the Western Empire occurs exactly where it should in the middle of the 7th century. Yet the idea of a Roman emperor, emperor was without precedent, and since no precedent existed, one had to be created. The precedent in question was to be an emperor who was throughout the centuries held in semi-mythical status in European history, Charles the Great, Charlemagne. Historians have long been aware of the fact that the audience 
were the founders of what might be called the, quote, cult of Charlemagne, end quote, though why this should be the case has never been adequately explained in the accumulation of the of this process occurred early in the year 1000 when the emperor Otto III visited a cane does the a chain how do you pronounce that city is a a c h e n a chain so a chain sounds chinese but i can't be right uh, maybe it is. It's in, uh, in the crypt of the cathedral, he uncovered the relics of his ancestors, Charles and, or Charles the Great, who had died 186 years earlier. Otto removed the burial objects and extracted a tooth from the skull. He also placed the supposedly missing nose of the dead king with a gold sheath before ceremoniously reburying him. According to Elig, the this Charlemagne was a fictitious character, and he notes the inability of archaeologists to find anything substantial to either himself, that being Charlemagne, or his supposed empire. Even his greatest moment, the chapel, Cathedral of Aachen, A-A-C-H-E-N, is revealed upon closer inspection to have been built in the 11th century. A fact proved in great detail by Illig not even he could fully explain why the Ottonians would invent such a character, such an empire. Yet, bearing in mind Perini's observations about the impact upon Byzantium and the Mediterranean world of the Arab conquest, the motive becomes very clear. As German princes Claiming the title of emperor, the Ottonians needed a present in order to a precedent, excuse me, in order to legitimize their positions, since no present existed. No precedent existed. Why do I keep saying present? That's why, because I'm dyslexic and I'm sick. Um, one was created having then, quote, created, end of quote, a non-existent emperor and empire. This man and his uh, gods needed time in which to reign, and hence the creation of a couple extra centuries in which to place them. <clears throat> hey, you know what? I think I'll leave it at that. 
really feel terrible. So, well, we got to somehow plug away, get this done. I know, man, you suck as a reader. I know, I know, I know. I do it the bestest that I can do. Man, it's true. It might be a short one. That's okay. It's probably still an hour. Ah, it feels flat earth punk. Who knows? Anyway, he's, he's got a, supposedly has a woman in his life, which is that's a great thing, and I know he's been wrestling with issues, so who knows? And for those who judge me for being small, I'm going to stay small. You know why I'm going to stay small? Because I'm going to pursue the truth. And so when I, I deal with different subject matters that you're not interested in, irrationally, you're going to be offended by that. In terms of understanding the holistic picture that I'm trying to create. A holistic understanding of the picture. A worldview that makes more sense based on reality. And I got the shivers, which means my fever is rising again. This means I need to stop. So one thing is good is the guy did not show up tonight, as he did the last time, and I think the time before that. But that's okay. Um, Flutter Funk, if you do hear this, listen, one of the things I'm not going to do, the drawing of you and your buddies that you served in the military with, A, I don't know that's you. And so, but I don't want to be disrespectful to that. B is, I don't know the other guys. So for me to draw a picture and put it online or allow you to put it online with my name on it would be uh, not a good idea. Three, if you do want me to do it and they do it just for you, something to hang on your house, I'm more willing to do that. But of course, you have to pay me a little stipends for the time and energy and uh, shipping costs and all that stuff. So, Not that I'm a greedy person in any way, shape, or form, but it's just... Uh, there's one of the reasons why I put a lot of these pictures on my show that um, seemingly make no sense. And it's so that those who um, are smart enough will realize what I'm actually doing. And you can blame YouTube for that. So. No, you know you can't blame. You can blame the uh, the rulers of this dark and mysterious Roman Empire, who for some reason need to control every aspect of our lives in order to maintain their frightening existence. The Roman Empire. One of these days, I just will never be able to do it again. Good being actually stand up. Today is a coming. Now, I took some medicine I wasn't supposed to. Dang it. Okay. To try to help with the urination and the spasms. Because it's driving me nuts. I don't want to pee myself. And for those that listen to this, kudos to you. Let the other people know about it. Subscribe. Enjoy. All right. <laughs>